Well, I think within multifamily in general, there's been a lot more of competition, a lot of people coming in, especially with the technology out there, with the amount of information that is getting pumped into the general public now. A lot more people are finding out that you know real estate syndications exist, that you're able to get into real estate. And so that just creates a lot more demand, a lot more people who are more aware of it, which is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, finding the deals um, gets a little bit more tough, a little bit more challenging. The market, as we've seen, has started to increase significantly. So finding the really right. great deals has become a little bit more difficult as the cap rates are starting to compress. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. And I do say it's a wonderful episode because every episode is wonderful. Then again, I'm a little biased here, but it really has to do with the guests. You know, they say it all has to do, uh, the podcast has to do with the host. No, it really has a lot to do with the guests. That's my opinion. Today, we got a very, very special guest, Eileen Prack, all the way from California. I didn't know there were too many people living there anymore, but you guys stuck around. <laughs> You're sticking it out. <laughs> great, to, great to have you on the show. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you, Yona. And I will say we're sticking around because we got super nice weather today. You can be outside wearing shorts, wearing short sleeves, have a nice walk. That's true. Yeah. I, I lived uh, many years in California, but uh, don't regret leaving. That's that's for sure. So, <laughs> uh, but I, I know here all people are leaving right now. Anyways, enough about yeah. that. i uh, love to give you guys a little background. I'd love to hear from you, Eileen, as well. But you guys are, you and your husband are real estate investors. You have founded a syndication, multifamily syndication company called Bonavest Capital and are the hosts of a daily podcast called How Did They Do It? Question mark. Real estate. And it really goes in. And what I'm impressed with the most is how you can continue with the daily episodes. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Oh, thank you so much. It takes a lot of time, but it's been well worth it. We love the people that we're meeting. We've been learning so much. And so what they say, consistency is key. And it's just been a fantastic journey so far. Absolutely. I mean, is one of the reasons why you started the podcast just so you could learn? I mean, really, that's why people listen to them. But what a lot of people don't know is that's why us hosts start the podcast in the first place, because we can interview really smart, really successful people and then learn and, uh, grow much faster that way. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, listening to podcasts was one of the best ways that we had learned and how we grew and we started understanding real estate some more. And so we're like, podcasts is so fantastic. And just our nature and my nature in general, I'm I'm just very curious about how people do things, different ways that they've been able to invest, look at real estate. And so the podcast was selfishly a way that I could sit in a room for 30 minutes and ask them any questions that I wanted on how they've been able to build their business, how they've been able to scale and really get in, you know, a little bit deeper into these conversations with my guests who have such great experience. And it's just been so humbling and 
like so honored to have been able to have all these types of guests on the show, yourself included. And that's, it's pretty impressive. I want to get back to that in a second because I love the idea of podcasts and I love talking to other podcast hosts and kind of getting different tips and things you've learned from that. But before we do that, I'd love to give a little background. I mean, you haven't always been a real estate investor. Is that right? I believe yep. uh, it's it's <laughs> relatively recent thing that you guys have, you have, have come about. What were you doing before uh, real estate? And how did you get into it? Really, that's that a two-part question. So we're still in our W-2 jobs. So we're still working full-time. Um, we're also parents of two young children. And so in our W-2s, what we were doing, what I was doing particularly, um, finance. And so I work in aerospace, look at budgeting spreadsheets all day, um, do forecasting, risk and opportunity analysis, managing reserves. And, you know, that's... Uh, something that we've been taught, like what I've been taught is like, go to school, get good grades, um, get a good job. And so that's what I did. And then really after having my kids and then my, my first child, my first son, it was the mindset shift started to come about a little bit more. It's like, well, I want to create passive income. I want to be able to spend more time with him. And how can mm -hmm. I do that? Right. And so it was really, that's how I started on the path of looking for different ways to generate passive income so that I have a choice later on and that I'm able to spend that time with him so that now our money is working for us and we're not having to work for our money. Gotcha. So they didn't teach you about passive investing I before, that, before that point. <laughs> And in your school, <laughs> nothing like that. Yeah, I just saw like uh, someone put on social media today about how, you know, 90% of we teach, you know, algebra and, and math and all these things and calculus in, in school. And 90% mm -hmm. plus of kids have no idea about finances and how to actually use math in the right way in the real world. Right. Yep. And finances is something that we all deal with in math every single day. We're dealing with money, we're dealing with buying things, so, you know, whatever it is, investing. Nobody, you know, people don't learn that in school. Unfortunately, we've got to kind of change the system a little bit. But I mean, yeah, you're we're, you're involved in 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 financial finance, like that's what you were doing in your in your career. Yeah, but thing is, what when we're going to school and what we're taught is learn how to work hard to make money. Like, mm. let's trade our time for money. Like, I learned how to put in a lot of hours, a lot of effort into making money. I never understood the concept of having my money work for me. And like, that's how the wealthy people do it. They make money while they sleep. Yeah. It's incredible, right? It's a, it, it blows your mind when you think about it, but are you still working at NASA? Is that, are you allowed to talk about that? <laughs> I, I, I prefer if we don't. <laughs> okay. You know, I would you prefer if we don't. Yeah. Okay. Great. But what? What I mean to say is that you've been involved in the finances, you've been involved in, in different things like that. Is that something that you've been able to pull some of those skills into your real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely. Because being in finance, you know, we're always looking at numbers. We're always looking for um, risks and opportunities out there and trying to do forecasting and projections. And those skill sets really translate into um, what I do now, which is the syndicate multifamily syndications. And so it's looking at spreadsheets, looking at how, you know, the business plan, whether or not that's feasible, and then looking at the risks out there and how can we minimize those risks and how do we put those appropriate tools and systems and reserves in place so that we can be as conservative as possible so that we can weather any storm if something happens, the sure. unforeseen happens. Yeah, it's it's really hard to tell that. I mean, risk in in a financial world is a little bit different than the risk, but I got I guess those those things play over uh, into the same arena, right? 
you're looking at spreadsheets, same ideas, right? Underwriting, mm-hmm. financial models, things like that. Probably giving you a, a good kickstart into understanding the multifamily business. Yeah. And I think the understanding of Excel has helped quite a bit too. For sure. I've, I've heard from a lot of people and I'm not very good at Excel. I never was. And, but I've heard from a lot of people that that's probably like one of the best skill sets to have it's just to be able to use, understand and use Excel well, one day, maybe, but I'll have someone else do it for me. But I want to get back to the podcasting thing because I am fascinated. I mean, you started it, uh, how long ago, like a year and a half, two years ago, how long ago was this? Yep. About a year and a half ago. Year and a half ago. And daily episodes means you've had hundreds of people that you've been able to interview. Yeah. Awesome. I think at this point, yeah, I think at this point we've done over 360 episodes so far. Incredible. So let me know what you would think, like some of the biggest lessons you've learned from the podcasting. So I'm not talking about from the guests themselves, because there's obviously hundreds of, of lessons and great things you've probably learned that, but from the podcasting itself, because doing a daily podcast, I know from doing, I, I do this almost daily, but it's time consuming, like you said, but there's so many lessons that you can learn from it. So I'd love to hear from you, a fellow podcaster. What are you, what are some of those lessons you've learned? Well, I think one of the biggest lessons was time blocking and really schedule management because doing a daily podcast, there's a lot of time commitment involved with it. We're working W2 jobs, have the two kids. So I had to be very cautious of my time and had to be very particular about how I spent my time just to be Mm. able to sustain a daily podcast. And so that has been one of the biggest lessons was to, you know, be as efficient as possible as I was with my time, because otherwise you can't sustain it. Absolutely. And so do you actually record on a daily basis or do you record in blocks? Like eight episodes in one day or something like that? Yes. I try to mostly record in blocks. So like every other Fridays, I will just batch record like from, uh, yeah, I'll have like the 10, eight to 10 episodes, um, interviews a day are on those Fridays and stuff like that. Um, prior to that though, you know, we were waking up before the kids would wake up in the morning. We would remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes. <laughs> in the event that the kids stay asleep while we were interviewing. But yeah, the, the biggest thing was like the was to be able to block um interviews and just do it on the on like back-to-back interviews because you're already in that mindset. You're already um focused and you're you know, like you're in just that chugging mode. For sure. It can be exhausting though. Uh especially oh, yes. Well, I mean, obviously when you have a guest that you're asking the good questions and, and they're doing most of the talking for the most part. A lot of times, I mean, I don't know. There's a trade-off, but it's still exhausting. Yeah, it's just by the end of the day, you're just, you know, it's it's very, it's fun to talking to the guests, but just by the end of the day, it's just like you're you're, you're drained. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So let me switch that and just kind of go on to the the next part of that, which is like some of the best guests that you've had. Like, who have you learned like things from that just blew your mind? If you can think of any examples. Yeah, there are so many fantastic guests, and I I think the like the best guests that I've had on the show were the ones that Ahem. really didn't. Ahem. <laughs> Yona Weiss. No, right. no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But, Go ahead. but some of the best guests I've had was the ones that had a backstory where they came from not much, and they didn't have the financial education, but they've been able through persistence, hard work, mindset shifts, they've been able to build such large portfolios. They've been able to create massive success for themselves. And 
I think the biggest thing was the mindset shift for them that I found to be really interesting because, you know, prior to getting to this, they were in low points. And then when they made that mindset shift, it was like, that's when everything took off. That's when they were able to grow. And, you know, we never put as much emphasis on the mindset sometimes, but mm-hmm. I really like as talking to all these different guests, the mindset is where it really starts off from. And that's how we are able to grow and thrive. For sure. Especially when you see like a living example of that. Obviously, we've all read these inspirational books and we all know that has all to do with the mindset and think and grow rich and and all these things, right? But to see someone who who has taken that and lives by it and has literally changed their life around from it, it's much more powerful, right? When you actually get that living Mm -hmm. example. So I love that. I love that example you're giving. Wow. And something that you guys obviously have, have done as well to a certain extent because- waking up one day and being like, okay, we need to invest in our future and, you know, get out of the rat race, so to speak, and uh, build our financial freedom so that we can leave our W-2 jobs at a certain point and and go and enjoy our life, right? Not just working, not just trading the time for money, but having the money work for yourself, like you said. Yeah. And, you know, like the same thing for my family too, because my parents immigrated to the United States they came here with nothing, not an understanding of the English language. And they really had nothing because they came from a country that had just undergone war and everything. And so it was really hard for them. And so they've been able to build up such a great lifestyle for themselves from the bottom up. And so for us being born in this country, having those opportunities given to us, you know, it's almost in a sense, I feel like our duty to do much better and to like make them proud of what we're able to do and accomplish because they were, they've been able to be this successful starting from nothing. And we've been given such a huge head start that we should be able to accomplish more bigger and better things so that they're able to look and see and be like, this is why we came to this country to give our children much more better opportunities than us. Absolutely. There's so, and that's the amazing thing about the United States. I mean, at least it is so far. I mean, <laughs> see what happens. Things a lot of changing political environment, but the opportunity, I mean, that's what people call it, the land of opportunity. And I think it's a land of immigrants, you know, coming and really having that success story of, of turning their lives around. I mean, I know my grandparents all immigrated to the United States also, uh, except for one. So it's like, you know, it's things that they're coming from places where there was war and places where there was, you know, having troublesome lives in different countries, not knowing the language, and then just showing up here and being like, okay, well, let's do it. Yes. Turn our lives around. Well, tell me a little bit about switching gears a little, going into the real estate thing. You guys are involved in multifamily syndications, right? We've talked about that a lot on the podcast. So I don't need you to go into like anything like that, but you personally, like, what are you finding in that? Which like markets or which areas do you find you're pulled towards? Because obviously you're leaving California. I assume you're not investing in California. That's a good assumption. (laughs) But yes, we aren't investing in California. What we like are the Sunbelt states. We're looking for markets that, you know, people are moving into like Mm -hmm. Arizona, the Carolinas, Texas, Florida, those states are what we're really interested in. Those types of markets are where we're seeing a lot of population growth, a lot of job growth, a lot more opportunities coming in. So those are the areas where we're focusing on right now. Gotcha. Very interesting. I mean, I think that's where like everyone is. Do you find there's like tremendous amount of competition going into those uh, markets? Well, I think within multifamily in general, there's been a lot more of 
competition, a lot of people coming in, especially with the technology out there, with the amount of information that is getting pumped into the general public now, a lot more people are finding out that, you know, real estate syndications exist, that you're able to get into real estate. And so that just creates a lot more demand, a lot more people who are more aware of it, which is fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, you know, finding the deals um, gets a little bit more tough, a little bit more challenging. The market, as we've seen, has started to increase significantly. So finding the really great deals has become a little bit more difficult as the cap rates are starting to compress. Right. Absolutely. It's becoming very difficult. So do you see like any... like sunlight on the horizon, like in doing that, are you just going to keep plugging away, keep doing the same thing? Or are you thinking about any alternatives? Yeah, no, I, we still believe in the, in the model of the multifamily syndications because people are always going to need a place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what's great about this model is that you're not really banking on like appreciation or you're not, it's not like you, like you said, you you know about multifamily syndications. You know that the model is based off of business. You're mm-hmm. you're you have control of how you create the value and the price of the business itself. Right. So that's what we like about this model is because you have that control over it. You're able to force appreciation. Mm-hmm. You're able to you know create a business plan to be able to maximize profits. So we are still continuing to be invested in multifamily um, and also self-storage as well as another asset class that we really like too. Mm-hmm. And we see it because, you know, with inflation right now, we know that it's continued to go up. So we're looking for places where we can invest our money so that we're not losing it to inflation. So if we're able to make, you know, decent returns off a stable asset class, we're that's where we're going to go. And we know multifamily and that's where we're focusing on primarily. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it makes sense. Obviously the, the business model is there. Like you said, you're able to force appreciation, self-storage and multifamily would traditionally be traditionally have been very stable and growing asset classes. And um, like you said, inflation is crazy. I mean, we just saw this week coming out like seven and a half percent inflation. It's it's ridiculous. People don't even think about that. If anyone's listening to this and they're like, didn't don't know what that means, that means that money that you had, right, that you have in your savings account is worth seven and a half percent less than it was a year ago, which is ridiculous if you think about it. So we always, I mean, inflation historically has been two to three percent uh year over year, which means you always have to be investing something in order to make sure that your money is is not just devaluating. But now more than ever, we have to figure out ways to put our money to work. It's it's crazy. I think we need to make like a revolution to teach people about this because otherwise you're 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 just losing money just by the fact that they're having in the savings account. Yeah. No. Or the 401k or whatever you want to, you know, wherever it is. Yes. And some people even argue now that, you know, the publicized inflation rate is 7%, but what's actually going behind the scenes, it's more like 14, 15%. Wow. Okay. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Which means it's, you know, what means that if you're leaving your money in the bank, you're losing money every day. Mm -hmm. And so you're just looking for ways to hedge against that inflation because, Right now, you know, in the past, our parents, our grandparents had all taught us to save, 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 because the banks were paying us a good return on putting the monies in the in the banks and and you were getting a good, decent return of it. But now the environment has shifted and you're leaving the money in the bank, you're just losing, you're losing it every single day, whether yeah. it's 7%, 15% or whatever like that, but it's a significant amount that you're losing. So your value, your your purchasing power, your 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 dollar in the bank is is not going to be worth as much today as it is or 
tomorrow as it is today. Right. For sure. No, that that's absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you, when you sit down and think about it, it's crazy like how much money you're losing on a daily basis. Well, if you don't have any money, you're not losing anything. But for those of us who, who if those of you out there listening to that too, make sure you're investing it with, with good people. Going back to the podcast, because it's just, to me, it's fascinating, the daily podcast thing. And you've, you've probably interviewed a ton of amazing people. If you can think of like someone who's listening to this podcast and they're like, wow, I love listening to, to podcasts, especially about real estate. You're very inquisitive, right? You're very curious. You ask really good questions. I mean, I've listened to a lot of episodes, not just my own episode, but <laughs> like it takes a lot of like time and research. I mean, do you actually spend time researching the guests or you just kind of or come up with the questions beforehand or you just do what I do and just wing it? So it's a combination of both, I would say. So a lot of it, like the guests that we've come have come on, they've been introduced through referrals from other people, other guests who have been on the show. Gotcha. So you kind of have a background and understanding of where they're coming from, what their focus is on. Mm. And then, you know, from there it can really the conversation starts to build as you actually actually meet them because you have some type of understanding of what their focus is and how to kind of, you know, structure the interview questions like that. You know, I mean, that's over time too. In the beginning, it was like research every single one and then take a look at it. Um, but then as we're doing more and more podcasts, you kind of have to do what you can with the information that you have as well. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, it does come somewhat naturally, especially the more you do it, you're doing it daily, you know, week after week, month after month, you get pretty good at it, right? Coming up with the questions and just having those conversations flow. And most of the time, people who are guests on podcasts like to talk. So they're free to just talk. And so I'm just going to... It's their stage. Exactly. It's their stage. (laughs) So I'm giving the stage to you. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I'm just going to let you say whatever you want to say right now. Listen to Yona Weiss's episode. (laughs) (laughs) And put it on repeat. (laughs) Okay. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry to put you on the spot there. What we're going to do now is transition to what we like to call the final four. These are four questions I ask all my guests. And for you, the first question is, well, it's the same. So it's the same for everyone. First question for you is what's the worst job that you ever had? I think it was back in college when I did a, it was like a cold calling for an insurance company. So I had, they had like a script that you had to go by and you would just go down the list and you would just call people going by this script. It's such a weird sensation, just calling people and just offering these services that didn't last very long for me. <laughs> I, I can't understand like how people do that. <laughs> even Even to today, like if someone just cold calls me, it's, you know, unless it's, they're really, really good. And they have something to say like 99.9% of the time, you know, I won't hang up, but I'll just be like, no, thank you. (laughs) It doesn't matter what they're trying to sell me. It's just the fact that they're cold calling me nowadays. And to me, the whole concept of cold calling should, should not exist anymore. Really. I mean, the real, like you're talking about just going through a list and reading a blank script, not knowing anything about the person that you're calling. Because nowadays you actually can take a little bit of time. It doesn't take a long time, a little bit of time, actually research the person that you are going to speak to and make it a little less cold. You know, I'm not going as far to say that you have to do just like what I do with social media and LinkedIn and make it really like a warm call. Like every single call you have is a warm call, but to an extent you can do that. Like you can go on LinkedIn, like everyone's on LinkedIn, right? You can find out who this person is, like what do they do? And then the call is no longer like hundred percent cold. So 
takes too long to do that though. You can't get through a hundred people in it, you know, if you do that. Yes. And then you get some really upset people who, who don't like being cold cold. And so the feeling is just not, it's not so great. Yeah. It's not great. You got to change the game. There's a shout out to my friend, Dale Dupree on LinkedIn. If any of you guys are there, check him out. Dale Dupree, he's the sales rebellion and he's got a whole different way of going about uh, cold calling and, and calling in general different approach, but it has a lot to do with making a difference and standing out and, and things like that. So anyways, yeah, that's a great example of a bad job. <laughs> Second question, because I relate to that. Second question, what is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? It's funny because you had actually mentioned it earlier. Um, it's the Think and Grow Rich book. Oh, cool. Yeah. That book has you know, like we were kind of talking about it a little bit earlier. Um, it all starts with the mind and the mindset shift and how we think and the possibilities that are out there. Because once you change the impossible to possible, things start to open up, opportunities start to come your way. Um, but you just have to start believing that things are now possible and be open to those opportunities as they come. It's all about the mind. It's not just believing things are possible, like actually visualizing that they exist, like they are there in your future self or at that point. It's very powerful. If you guys haven't listened to Think and Grow Rich, we'll put it in the show notes here. Definitely a must read. Incredible stuff there. So third question, what's a skill or talent that you'd like to learn? This could be anything. I think it goes back to also why the podcasting was such a great platform too, because I'd always seen people who have such great presence and has such great speaking skills. And so I'm like, I want to learn how to be a great speaker. And so with the podcast, I'm not the best by any means, but I've noticeably seen my speaking skills and communication skills significantly improve since I've done the podcast. For sure. For sure. It's incredible. And especially if you listen back to yourself afterwards, I'm like, oh, um, how many times did I say like, I know, pause, this, that. When you start speaking and thinking, thinking it out, you're able to actually become much better at that. And I think that's one of the best advice I ever got as a, as a public speaker. Uh, someone who was a public speaker gave me was don't rush to, to speak, like think every word through and, uh, speak more clearly. And that way you don't have to just go into your normal self when you're having conversations. Oftentimes we're just, you know, saying, oh, you know, you know, you know, this, that everyone has like filler words, but the filler words is, is the biggest killer to, to podcasting. <laughs> yeah. But it's like being aware, right. As you're doing the podcasting, you're listening to it. You're like, oh, those are the things that I can improve and I can, and I can change and alter and I can just work on getting better and better at. And so it's just being aware of the things that you say and how you say them and, you know, and then just practice. Absolutely. And I think you become a much better listener also, not mm -hmm. just a better speaker. Oh yes. Active listening. Definitely. I'm really understanding and really trying to figure out what it is the guests or whoever you're talking to is trying to say and, you know, addressing that. It's a huge skill set that I've also started to, you know, develop over time. It's great. I love it. I've, I've definitely become a much better listener through the podcasting. So that's, that's all worth it right there. So fourth and, and final question, Elena, what does success mean to you? I think success means a lot of different things to a lot of people. But for me, success really, I think, is if I can go look back at what I've done and not regret my decisions and not regret the things that I 
didn't do, like mm. the actions that I didn't take. So that I, you know, whatever I've come, however far I've came, the decisions I've made, the choices I've made have gotten me to where I am today. And I look back and I'm, I, I don't want to ever think that, you know, I didn't try hard enough. I didn't put enough effort into whatever I did. I failed because because of myself, like I was the reason why. So as long as that I'm able to stand up behind it and say that I tried everything that I could, to me, Mm -hmm. that's considered successful. That's great. That was like a famous video of Jeff Bezos, right? The regret minimization thing. I don't know if you ever, you come across that, but he had this whole thing, like someone, and this is goes back like 20 years, like beginning of Amazon, someone asked him an interview, like, why he's doing what he's doing and why he's building this company. And he's like, it's regret minimization. Like that's maybe had a different phrase for it, but I think it's something along that line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. You don't ever want to go down the road and think, you know, I could have done this, but I just didn't take that chance or I could have done that. I could have become this person, but then you had the opportunity to do so. Why didn't you take those actions? I don't want to be at that point. I don't think anyone wants to be, but we don't think about it, right? It's all about getting the right mindset and figuring out mm-hmm. what it is that you do want and and making sure your decisions you're making, like you said, are along those lines. So yeah. And then being able to pass it along to my kids as well, you know, showing them, you know, to be upstanding people, you know, do things with honesty and integrity, and then doing things the right way, you know, don't cut corners and everything like that. Being able to see them become great people is also part of being successful. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really what it's all about as a parent. I concur with that hundred percent, hundred percent. We need more people like that in this world. Thank you so much for joining. I mean, time just flies over here, but what, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Yeah. So they can always check out our podcast, the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast, or they can also visit our um, website and they can download a due diligence checklist for apartment investors. If you're looking to analyze and look for ways to, or look for a checklist to help you analyze deals as you're looking to invest passively in syndications, we created this checklist for those people. It's just bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Great. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. And thank you again for taking the time out and appreciate even not on a Friday and we're able to to record the podcast together. Awesome. Thank you so much, Yoda, for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And to all our listeners, remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.